This week, Navneet Bali, founder and CEO at Livin, joins us for a spot of positive podcasting as he shares news of his first deal, which will see a Livin land in Frankfurt soon. We cover the many, many benefits of measuring revenue per square meter, as well as which biscuits the larders at Livin will be overflowing with. Welcome to another episode of New Tricks, which is the weekly podcast from New Dog PR. And very happy we are that you are all here too. Um, this week, we have joining us from Paris, Catherine and Spuddy. How are you, Catherine and Spuddy? Uh, I'm very good. Spuddy is very tired. Oh, why tired? Partying, too much partying this weekend and too much playing with his mates in the park this morning. Oh. Fair enough. Um, and our guest this week, who we are delighted to have with us, is Navneet Bali, who is the founder and CEO at Livin. Navneet, welcome to New Tricks. How are you? I'm very well. And just like Emily, I've been partying. Or rather, not like Emily, I'm sure like Emily. And was it Buddy that you say? Spuddy. Spuddy the dog. Okay. Right. Yes. No, it's been a good weekend in, in France, the south of France. Uh, with the sun shining and, you know, uh, it may be in the evenings, but the sun was shining and it uh, looks like the sun is shining on our industry as well. So I'm very happy. <laughs> so it's interesting to note that, I mean, this isn't perhaps not necessarily a completely secure scientific experiment, but of the three of us on this podcast, two have been traveling this weekend. And this is this is in a and climate where... Have been in Europe land. And all of us have been in, in Europe. Of- the land of vaccine passports, the land of masks, the land of lower rates than the UK. And how has it been? Well, for me, I can tell you, I've had two trips. Uh, one to Munich for work and one to the south of France on holiday. So I've been both business and leisure travel. And was that with it? And that was within the same yeah. Monday I went to Munich. Uh, Thursday I went to, you know, Toulouse. So, uh, uh, so I'm in, in one week, yeah. <laughs> and you're, you're very on trend because apparently people have been extending their trips, haven't they? So this is the thing, one of the things that we will all be doing uh, is extending our business trips to include going to the south of France. Yeah, I mean, I thought I, maybe from there I should have gone straight to south of France from Munich. I'd already booked my flight to south of France much earlier. So anyway... It's easier to come back and then go again, as it is with British Airways. You know, you come back and you go again somewhere. It's easier to connect in between some, you know. So anyway. Well, with the keys in the airports these days, you could probably just you live in that. Is it Tom Hanks who lives in that that airport? He lives in an airport? In, I don't think he lives in an airport in real life. Wasn't there some Tom oh. Hanks in an airport? Um, is it Tom Hanks? It's like a Tom Hanksy type person, isn't it? I feel like this is another question for the audience, and anyone who answers first will get a biscuit and/or a new notepad. <laughs> oh, and pens. Don't I mean whisper it? We're getting oh, grand. It's not, it's not that complicated. It's to film. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll save that for the Christmas special. Amen. <laughs> anyway, anyway, you've been traveling. Has it? Have you both found it easy and convenient? And something we do again? Interestingly, uh, I think it was James Bland who we were talking to just after summer holidays and we were talking about the harrowing nature of travelling over the summer, which wasn't, the BBC would have you think it was harrowing, but it wasn't actually that harrowing when you went and did it. And the point I made then was having done it in the summer um, and it not actually been that harrowing, I was more likely to attempt it later on in the year, around perhaps around October, and that is what happened. Um, so we're now down to 
I hasten to add, I was in Spain, so this is very probably country specific, or it might not be, it might just be red list, not red list specific. But so all we had to do was, because we're both, we're all fully jabbed. So we required, we were required to show our vaccination status and then um, day two PCR and passenger locators form on the way back. So we've dropped down, we've halved the amount of tests versus the summer. Um, Whether we, and obviously with the PCR day two, as we discussed previously, we need the code for the form, whether we, what actually happens to the results of the day two who knows? Um, but yeah, it wasn't that harrowing. What was harrowing was my experience, well, for the last four years, has been going in and out of Bristol Airport, which is divine, and you can do that from home to... You don't hear, you don't hear a lot of that about well, Bristol Well, when, when I say divine, I mean very short. So from my home to the aircraft in about half an hour, Heathrow, not so much, but there were shops. There were shops and there was things to eat that wasn't sort of a crusty star, um, Starbucks. Uh, so that was joyful anyway. So yeah, overall, travel, great. I shall be doing more of it. Navneet, seamless enough for you to carry on doing it. Where are you going next? Well, where am I going next? I think uh, probably somewhere in Germany. Uh, as I just, uh, I can tell you. So we can talk about living a little bit. So, you know, I started living about a year ago. Um, I jumped into that point. And uh, so I did my first deal uh, uh, a few weeks ago, which is in Frankfurt. So I've got to go to Frankfurt for the due diligence. (laughs) Right. So uh, that's what it is going to be in the next uh, week. And then I also bid for a hotel in Dresden. I've been uh, taken to the second round. Uh, so hopefully I'll get that hotel too. So I'll have my second deal. And that's a bit, uh, you know, counting my chickens a bit there. Because <laughs> then I've got to go and see it. So, you know, the thing is that uh, the funny thing is the whole year, uh, last year, after I left Mining Guys, you know, just after the lockdown started, I'd, I'd left Mining Guys. So, you know, it's been a year since I left and now I've sort of flowered out and I can, you know, do what I like, basically. So, uh, uh, and of course, uh, you know, travel started. But during the whole year, I was doing everything on Zoom, you know, looking at potential sites and potential colleagues, if you like, and everything was Zoom, 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 Zoom. And uh, actually, then I started visiting these sites in Vienna, in Spain, in Portugal, wherever we had been looking at places. And, uh, you know, you think you'll see them on Google Earth, you've been there before. And you can see the location, but actually there's nothing like seeing a hotel site if you want to buy something, right? And it does make a difference because when you look at it, you know, not quite right, you know, whatever, right? So actually, though, even all, with all the experience, I mean, I've got a lot of experience. I've been visiting these places for a long time, particular locations I'm looking at are very similar to what we had in Weininger, you know, Paris, London, Munich, you know, a good city, central uh, Vienna, Berlin, that sort of thing. But you actually may not know that side because there's so many sites that come along. And actually visiting places is, you know, makes a big difference. So I know we're doing this on Zoom, but I think Zoom is great. But but actually for business, for certainly for development, for looking at, you've got to go and visit, get a, you know. So I'm, I'm very happy to start visiting since uh, things opened up in, uh, you know, for example, Austria, three sites in Austria, couldn't go to Vienna till about four weeks ago because you had to quarantine and I wouldn't go with the quarantine thing. So all that's gone away now. So it looks very easy to go now. So I would be going again to 
like I just said, Frankfurt, to Dresden, to Vienna, to places where we are looking at sites, um, you know, willy-nilly now. I mean, again, as, as Emily said, you don't need now a, a, a second test when you're there to come back. All you need is your double vaccination and, you know, and this, and this code so that you have your second day test when you come back. <laughs> I, d- I did enjoy the different tales. We'll go back to living in a minute, but I didn't enjoy the different tales from people of different, uh, different nose poking experiences, uh, different countries. Because the French are super rigorous um, and get right up there, often from both nostrils, and they they will hold your head back against the wall to make sure they get it done properly. And then and then, but apparently the Americans. I haven't sampled this, but possibly people now will be able to tell me all about it now that travel has opened up. The Americans apparently have like soft tip sponges and, you know, probably soft music and, you know, nice lighting and that kind of thing. They're much more gentle about it. But um, different levels of rigour. And now we won't have that anymore. It's sad. I know, it's tragic. But, um, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Those things they tell you a lot about the psychology of a country. But um, have you found that the demand for living has changed since as the pandemic's progressed, have you found it a, an easier sell or a harder sell or how's it looking? No, I think uh, what I've found is that, uh, um, you know, obviously it's a new, it's a startup, right? <laughs> so, uh, oh, you know, and a startup means you need uh, to raise money. And But the, the difficulty has been finding good deals, basically, good, good hotels to buy. So what is living? Living is a hybrid between a hotel, a hostel, if you like, but uh, an extended stay, uh, which is what, what I'm trying to do here. But again, aimed at the sort of the budget end of the market, uh, and uh, so you know, finding and and I've been looking for hotels to buy, which are you know can be bought without a brand in the door. Uh, not very many available, but increasingly I find more opportunities. So finding opportunities has been the difficulty, right? Uh, and uh, but you know, like I said, we found some deals now. We've got one deal already, and possibly a few more coming up. Uh, uh, financing is not that. I find capital is available. The people are very keen to support at least my ideas, uh, and so I find that reassuring. Uh, people want to work with me as well. It's finding good deals. It's finding good deals in the market where uh, uh, you know because of whatever reason people want to change the brand or they've decided they have too many of one hotel. I mean, uh, you know, the two hotels in Venice, they want to get rid of one of them uh, for whatever reason, they need the money. So there are opportunities that are coming through uh, and I find that encouraging. Do you think those opportunities accelerating and do you think that's, we're, we're very keen here to, to, as everyone has been in, in the, since the beginning of the pandemic, to identify the quarter of reckoning. Um, and every quarter that comes along, people say, oh, this is the one where all these businesses are going to start falling on their knees and, and you know, government support is being taken away. A quarter of reckoning approaches. Is that something that you're seeing or we're, or is it people selling because you know, there's a talk about distress, but it seems to be more distress on the part of people who have hotels and just, you know, just like hands up. I'm under too much distress after, you know, it's not so much financial distress, it's just general distress at owning hotels now. It's just become too traumatic. Where are you seeing the opportunities coming? I haven't, uh, I didn't expect it. I don't see any distress as uh, such uh, in the, in the hotel industry from the point of view of, uh, you know, banks pulling the plug, if you like, and saying you have to, uh, uh, you know, sell. That's not happening. And, I, you know, there's a reason for that. 
because you know basically distress does happen when then you know people are over leveraged and the banks pull the plug right and i don't think the banks are as you know they're quite smart they won't do that they might start encouraging people a bit more perhaps <laughs> you know think why don't you sell some of the assets that you have so i think the things might uh, accelerate if you like a little bit i don't think it'll be distress it'll be more like if you can come i mean that's why they want to do it living is to go and actually change the fortune of that business by you know putting some capital in uh, redoing the rooms putting a new brand in the door which i think makes more money as you know i'm very focused on making more revenue per square meter have always been and i know the brand that uh, i've got very much what i learned in mining uh, it creates more revenue per square meter because of hybrid nature because it deals we can go into all that so therefore improve the fortunes of that hotel and improve its valuation in years to come right so that's my mantra and i think that's what will people will find they can remodel a hotel building which has not been doing very well because it's jaded you know there's been no capex for 10 years so more value uh, increases in value value by changing the model if you like by imp- uh, putting uh, some investing money into it rather than distress do you think um you mentioned uh, revenue per square meter which is something that the hotel industry have been sort of looking at and thinking oh that sounds a bit interesting but as in general and I'm taking you out of the general um in general it's been a oh no we like occupancy and we like rooms and we'll measure F&B and that and we'll put it put it all in the you know those are the lines on the spreadsheet and that's what ticks our boxes do you think increasingly people the se- the sector is looking at revenue Per, per per space um, and things and and that lumping that into a, a tr- another sort of accelerated trend like technology like sort of more focus on the guests do you see it as things that genuinely will accelerate and continue to or do you think there might be a we all kind of liked it like before and we'll try and get back to that because that's how it worked what do you think I mean, I've 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 been a, a great uh, advocate of revenue and profit per square meter. I would say I'm one of the guys who've been talking about the most in the industry, uh, and uh, seems to me that's the logical thing to look at because often, if I look at a building, you know, and I say, what should you do with it, right? Uh, and often, you know, it could be an office building, it could be a residential building, and so on and so forth. There's sometimes the multiple use. Sometimes it can only be a hotel, perhaps. But even within hotels. Why, 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 why would one brand suited more than another brand? And I think about it myself. I said, you know, and, and actually, if you had some statistics on how much that brand generates per square meter, both revenue and square, because you know the cost of land is kind of fixed, right? As land, <laughs> which is raw <laughs> material, right? Then of course the other things like you know how much money you put into refurbishing it. So it's also the investment per square meter that's the denominator. But so. Everything boils down to per square foot or square meter, if you like, in terms of analyzing an investment opportunity. And some brands can generate more, uh, and some can generate less, uh, but you know, for the same investment. So, obviously, from an investor point of view, that makes a lot of sense. Also, I think it's a good metric for uh, hotel managers to look at as to how they're managing this particular resource that they have, right? Uh, uh, and uh, um, so I think that metric has to come in, and I've been advocating it. And people like SGR now, you know, we started a when I was mining, we started this with SGR that we should do this with the hostel business, and they should ask that information from the participants as to what their revenue was and how much the square meters space they have. 
the problem largely with the hotel industry is they don't have this information, actually. Brands don't really know what the building has in it because nobody's measured it. You know, they've had this hotel for a long time, particularly conference spaces and all the public spaces. So a lot of the information is not available from the historic point of view. So getting that, I mean, even in the SGR study we had for the hostels that we did, it took about a year for people to get their heads around what information, which is credible for STR to normalize, if you like, to be available so that it's, you know, something they could publish and share with others. So getting that, I think, will take some time. But there's an increasing realization that you know, that's an important uh, metric. What are your, um, what are your ambitions? What are your uh, objectives for the live-in brand? How many How many do you want? Where are you looking geographically? How are you going to rule the world? Well, that's, um, <laughs> um, my focus is very much, again, on Europe because, you know, that's where uh, I think this brand works very well. There's good communication. People go by train quite easily. It's meant for young people. So the ambition is very similar to uh, uh, in terms of locations uh, where you have vibrant cities uh, where people are able to go for it's very urban, so mine is an urban uh, focus, not not uh, uh, which has been the fashion, you know, during the pandemic. People go for resorts and so on and so forth. It's not resort focused, though it could very work, with, uh, very well work in a resort. But I'm focused very much urban, but cities which have both business and leisure. That's primary case, like Berlin or or uh, let's say uh, Paris or or London or you know, of course, where you have both people coming for business. Because the key to this uh, brand is that you're able to. Uh, you know, sell it to business people as well as for families, as well as for backpackers, as well as for, you know, uh, uh, people going for fun. Uh, Largely leisure focused, but there's also a business element because you have extended stay in this model that I have. So so if you have a city which has both, like Vienna, you know, leisure and business, ideal, ideal. Munich, ideal. Hamburg, ideal. You know, places which have both. Edinburgh, great. Uh, You know, Manchester, very nice. That sort of thing. So that's where uh, I see the focus. And across Europe, uh, you know, Germany, France, Spain, of course. So all all Italy, all the big markets where you have people traveling for leisure. I mean, I'm very encouraged by what I see now with the pandemic. Uh, and I, I uh, you know, uh, as you know, I used to run Meininger. So I was in Berlin for the IHIF uh, in September. And I stayed in a mining hotel, uh, as I should, as I would like to always. And, you know, mining has six hotels in, in Berlin, five in the city, one at the airport. And I was told by the manager, I mean, it's anecdotal, I don't get the facts now, I, I don't work for them anymore, but they were all full, 100% full during that week while IHF was on. I think rates were a bit down, maybe 10 15%. I don't know the exact detail, but they were actually full. And I mean, when I mean full, I mean, obviously the rooms were full, not all the beds. Room occupancy, but you know, when I was in this hotel, it uh, I think uh, as we knew, might have been there. We had a mining a party there once uh, during Berlin, uh, and that hotel in East Side Gallery. And I was staying there, and actually, there were uh, people sharing rooms. I mean, the hostel business, which is you know, people sharing rooms, you know, young kids, uh, 19 year old, 20, they were all there. I mean, there was they had masks on while they were going to the elevators or going to the for their breakfast, as it's quite uh, still quite strict in Germany, that you actually when you walk, you know, uh, in a, a public space from your from your from your you know where you're eating, you take care of your mask. But when you go to the to pick up a you know from the buffet table, you actually walk with your mask on. So they're quite strict uh, about those things, and I in a way it's a good thing, I suppose. 
but uh, so there were there were people sharing rooms and so i didn't see any hesitance uh, you know that market which people said predicted my god hostels nobody ever going to travel in hostels again you know who wants to stay next stay in the same room with somebody who doesn't know etc etc but i don't think there's any fear of that particularly in young people so i was very encouraged by seeing that in terms of it was it was fascinating, wasn't it? At the beginning of the pandemic, exactly that. People sort of screamed. At, it was sort of the death of hostels because you were sharing and licking people that you didn't know, and ugh, and that never, ever, never, never, never going to happen. Um, and as we saw, that was completely tempered and balanced out with the, um, I suppose, the enthusiasm of young the younger generation to get back out and travel. And so, actually, they were one of the first parts of our sector to really to see a very kind of strong and healthy recovery which is great news yeah i think you know let's face it <laughs> at the end of the day vaccination works and it's proven to have worked right and most of these countries now i mean i mean uk was very good at it very fast but you know france included uh, uh, i mean 80 percent vaccinated you know more than that uh, across germany everybody so and it works vaccination and now i read today morning there's a pill New pill by Merck, which you can have in your mouth if you have, uh, it's a cure, basically. And that's amazing. And they're going to make it available on a non-generic basis, on a generic basis to somebody in India to manufacture it for third world. So it's going to be quite cheap as well to pop into your mouth. If you have COVID, it's a cure for COVID, basically. Right? So, I mean, you know, it's obviously these things mean that uh, things are going to come back to normal. And obviously I'm an optimist. You can see the sound of it. But the evidence is there. Yeah, oh, I had I had people stay with me in Paris last weekend, and we went to places like the Louvre and all those places where one goes, and um, and we queued for an hour to get into a rooftop bar, which we then in, did not go into because we'd been queuing for an hour. So we went somewhere else, but an hour a queue for an hour—it's astonishing. And not for toilet roll because that's the last time we queued for an hour. Pasta. It may have been that that's what was happening, but. <laughs> As far as I can tell, no. People going places and happy to queue and we weren't, obviously, but you know, after an hour. <laughs> That's yes, yeah, astonishing. People are everywhere. Very positive. Um I must we, we must ask you invite of vital importance. So we, we talked about the your the ambitions for your brand and sort of the ge- the geographical uh, remit that you were looking at. If you were to offer biscuits in your brand what kind of biscuits would you offer and why because i if i was an investor and 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 that the investment community does listen to this they would be this would be a make or break a belgian biscuit with a bit of chocolate in it and i can't remember the brand but i was uh, having lunch in the terrace of my friend's house in this in this farmhouse and their guests had brought these biscuits yesterday which we had mm-hmm. with our glass of wine absolutely exquisite and i'm <gasps> going to I'm going to get you the brand and send it to you. It's the best biscuit I've had. And that's what I would share. It's got a, basically, it's got a, it's a biscuit. It's got a chocolate topping. It's Belgian. I have to. Uh, was it, was it more chocolate than biscuit? No, it's just a little bit of chocolate. Oh. Just a delicate bit of top on top. But just enough crunchy, which is what you want in a biscuit. But you know, soft and delicious chocolate right on top. With a little bit of a lump on top like that. You know, very and uh, and uh, 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 and this brand, I mean, I, I should click in the photograph. And in fact, uh, I looked for it when we were on the duty free. Uh, we were in uh, Toulouse, and I forgot the name. And I said, "Oh God, I wish I'd taken the photograph." We just snapped it in my iPhone. <laughs> so, 
I will find it and I will find it and I will send it to you, uh, pack it and send it to you as a thank you note for this podcast. <laughs> Well, and we would be we would be honoured actually, and and perhaps we could set a precedent that that's what happens for all future podcasts. (laughs) It's um, it's there is a, and obviously this is depending on your preference, but there there is a there is a a finely tuned um, what must sort of components that must be involved in creating the perfect biscuit, and whatever the brand is that you've just described, it does sound like the component parts are in an in ideal. Uh, proportions to create that. Absolutely right. I mean, you know, some they're the getting it, uh, you know, that crunchy with the soft. Obviously, requires uh, some expertise, right? It's like everything. Else. The design of a hotel is so important too. I think that's the key thing. You get it right, and you know, it works efficiently, and you make lots of revenue per square meter. <laughs> <laughs> Hotels and biscuits: the similarities. That can be. Um, I think that's a whole podcast episode on itself. On its own. Um, Navneet, we ask every guest that comes on the same set of questions uh, towards the end of the of the show. And if we may, uh, we'd like to ask you them as well. The first question is, when the shutters came up and I had the jabs in my arm, the first thing I did was? Huh. You know, um, I had my second jab. I mean, it was actually slightly sad. I won't go into that. But actually, my mother died of COVID. All right. And uh, fortunately, she didn't have a second jab. And I had my second jab and she died three days later. So when I was having my second jab, actually, I was just hoping she'd had hers and not had COVID, you know, because uh, she was, uh, she actually, so that was my first thing. I said, get your second jab as soon as you can. That was my feeling. All right. Very so, wise so, words. That was in my mind that time. I wish she'd had a second jab. She was 89, so she'd had a good life. You know, but but I think at that age, if you get your second jab, you're you know better protected, obviously. Absolutely, I'm very sorry to hear that. Yeah, so that was my fault anyway. Sorry about that. It's a little bit somber, but you know, sometimes no, no, I wish it's, it, these are some times. It's best not to forget that. I think. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. In fact, the thing I got out of it really was that it's uh, you know till then I thought you know the, yeah you get this COVID, it's a bit like a flu, you know. There's too much fuss about it sometimes with people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. After that, I realized actually it isn't the flu, and 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 you know it's good to be a bit more serious about it. And, and uh, so when it affects you personally, then you suddenly so we can we became much more cautious about things after that. And I respected people for being cautious, countries for being cautious, and you know taking more sensible, cautious decisions about uh, health, etc. And so I became less gungo, if you like. Uh, and, and I welcome the fact that we have vaccination. And it's amazing, you know. When we started this whole process, it looked like it'll be uh, vaccines will take five years to ten years to get. And within a year, uh, the vaccine. I mean, actually, I think it'll come down as a, probably one of the most amazing things humanity has done, you know, uh, inventing this fantastic uh, invention, of like, right? Absolutely. Um, what about... What about positive things about the hotel sector? What would you say the best thing about, and we'll, we'll drop the hotel bit, what about the best thing about the sector and including service departments, hostels, all of that bit? You know, I think the best thing is that we, the, the hostel, hotel business is about beds, right? And it's, it's a real bed you have to sleep in, not a virtual bed. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's the best. It's always, it's a never evergreen industry. It's been one of the first industries in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right from biblical times, 
you know, you wouldn't have had Christianity if you hadn't had, a, you know, somebody looking for a haystack or whatever. <laughs> you need a bed, basically. Right? So, you, yeah, I think that's the key thing. You know, you, you need a bed, and a comfortable bed, and that won't change regardless of technology. And So I think, you know, this industry will always be there. Very good point. Um, and what about improving it? The hotel sector would be significantly improved if... You know, it's very funny. I was reading an article just the other day. I was in a, a tube and there was the Evening Standard. The chap called John Alrich had written this article. And in fact, when you send this, I picked it out. I kept it in my entry because I wanted to. It's funny. You know, and I'll, in fact, I'll read it out for your readers. So he says, we are back in airports again. My new charter of travelers' rights. Hotels. Advanced app-based check-in and check-out to put an end to queuing at reception and arrival when we are tired. Windows that open. No more clever lighting in bedrooms. More family rooms with small kitchens. Ah. Free soft drinks in all mini bars, including cold tap water and fresh milk for tea and coffee, etc. So, you know, by the way, that's exactly what Livin does. We'll do <laughs> exactly what Livin will do, you know. Check <laughs> in straight to your room, you know, with your Google watch or whatever, click, click, in you go. Mm. So I think things like simple things so that makes life, uh, you don't have to do things which are unnecessary. And windows that open, that's a good one. Better ventilation. Hurrah for that. Yes. Yeah. Family rooms, window that opens, sign me up. And that's living, by the way. Family rooms. And with uh, with small kitchenettes. So you can Sold. have your mini bar with some fresh water and, and proper milk for your tea in the morning. Well, I, to be honest, I was sold when you described the biscuits, but now it's just... <laughs> and biscuits. That's a good one. I'll put that in as well. Have those biscuits and make it a brand thing. <laughs> That's a good one. Exactly. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, screw you, Doubletree. What the industry needs now is... What does it need now? I think it needs to pay more money to people so that become more attractive. Yeah, we do seem to be have a little bit of an issue, don't we? We're in a bit of a staffing pickle at the moment. Yeah, I think a lot of industries are because of what, the disruption. But even otherwise, I've always felt that you know because we have such difficult social hours, etc., it's not an attractive industry for young people generally, right? And to make it more attractive, people have to start thinking about making life uh, you know more attractive because money matters and other things do matter too. But uh, so I think we should think about paying more money always. A little more, and not, uh, and maybe increase the prices, whatever. But you know, at the same time, and be more efficient by having these big head offices and you know all that. That's where you need to trim down and have more better technology, so you can still keep your margins and be more profitable. And of course, increase revenue per square meter. Always, you know, all that all that comes in. If you make more money, you can pay your staff better. Absolutely. And finally, I'd like to think we've learnt from this. Dot, dot, dot. What do you think we've learned from it? Or have we? Well, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know what we've le- learned, but I, I do always feel uh, that, uh, uh, that, you know, every crisis, whether it's GFA, etc., people who are over leveraged, for example, from a financial point of view, they suffer the most because they're too much. So you always have to know there's going to be a rainy day. Uh, a little bit of so show you're a bit conservative in your financing and your approach to uh, a more company financial point of view. I think that's what you always learn through a crisis. Uh, if you have been conservative and, you know, with good communications with your 
investors, with our bankers, with everybody else. So you're more open uh, with your staff. We, we engage with your landlords. You know, don't 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 uh, try to. Uh, no, everybody's got a problem right now. We're all in it together. So I guess landlords and tenants both have to be open about things and, and say, look, let's come to a deal. So I think it's about deal making that you're being open and therefore looking at the positive side, but at the same time realizing that you know it's, it's not just one side against another. It's it's, it's it's working together. I think working together probably is the best thing, best way to put it. Working together, very much fans of clear communication around these parts as well. Well done. Absolutely. Um, Navneet, that concludes our session for the day. And it was an absolute, genuinely an absolute joy. What a lovely way to spend a Monday morning. Um, thank you so much for your time and congratulations on your first deal. We look forward to um, we look forward to following the growth of the brand and all the exciting new things that I'm sure are in store for you and live in. And it's biscuits. It's a great pleasure. And I look forward to sharing some biscuits with you. Maybe with a glass of wine. <laughs> I think so. I think Biscuits for Wine is a Channel 4 show that has yet to be made. Absolutely. And we're very much, very happy to be part of that. <laughs> thank you very much. And uh, thank you, Catherine and Spuddy. He, he was chewing, I feel like he was chewing your arm, literally chewing your arm, not metaphorically, last time we were recording. So this time, not so much. Doing that thing where he has one eye. Is it the eye? Or is it just he hasn't closed it properly because he's too lazy? <laughs> Oh, be more spuddy. Always. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please like and subscribe and do all the things. I also, every week, I forget to say this, but we um, have a weekly uh, news roundup. And if you would like to join, instead of searching and faffing around with the LinkedIn algorithm, uh, there is a link on our website. Uh, If you go to the news section, you can sign up and join the mailing list and it pops into your inbox without having to faff about with LinkedIn or anything. So please do go and do that. If you'd like to say, if you'd like to hear what clever things to say in meetings, that's always good. Uh, yes. And this week, of course, it's IHG and Ackles results. So, um, so we'll be contrasting those, the sober, sober IHG and Ackle. Any more heterogeneousness, do you think? Well, I should imagine there will be stepping up from heterogeneous, possibly more, more comment about the self-driving cars and the masters of travel. Oh, yes. Um, the podcast. The um the the whatever the committee steering committee gathering of masters of travel. So yes, look forward to that. This Friday, always, always, always. Right, thank you so much. We'll let you get on with your days, and um, please do tune in again next time. Goodbye. Bye. So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg, or however else you pass the time while podcasting. Please do review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple, or follow new tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify. These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time.